Hey, everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Before we get into this episode with my good friend, Patrick Oliverio, I just want to take a second to thank our sponsor for the podcast, Houghton Horns. For those of you that aren't familiar, Houghton Horns is a family-owned business in Keller, Texas, and their mission is to spread the joy of music through providing the highest level of products, services, and resources to the brass playing community. Have you ever set your trumpet on the ground, then you picked up your phone, and then you accidentally dropped your phone on your trumpet and dented it? Because I have. (laughs) When that happens, Houghton Horns is here for you. At Houghton Horns, they do their repair work in-house, so you know you're getting one of their skilled craftsmen doing the work to bring your instrument back to 100%. They also do customizations, so if you are looking to customize your instrument for your specific needs, look no further than Houghton Horns. For a limited time, the listeners of this podcast can use the code RECIPE at checkout for 10% off the purchase of one Recipe for Success book for Horn. We talked a lot about that book in my interview with Karen Houghton and Janet Nye. So if you want more information, check out that episode. Uh, The code is valid through December 3rd, and you can use that, like I said, at checkout. At Houghton Horns, they strive to put service to the customer as their top priority. Whether you are a beginner student, a hobbyist, or a full-time professional, Houghton Horns can help you find what you're looking for. Go to HoughtonHorns.com for more information. Hello, and welcome to That's Not Spit, It's Condensation. Hello, everybody, and welcome to That's Not Spit, It's Condensation. I'm Ryan Beach, but you all know that today I am here with my good friend Patrick Oliverio. Uh, We did an episode a long time ago, it feels like, um, and I was just talking to Patrick about trying to get some advice on uh, recording and trying to help provide a resource for people who are interested in self-recording and that kind of thing, because it was right at the beginning of the pandemic when people were starting to do that. So we thought we'd try to do that resource. So if you haven't checked that out, go check that out because it's a good thing. But something interesting that happened on that episode is I asked Patrick, you know, you're interested in these things. Are you planning on pursuing them maybe more full time? And he was like, no, I'm actually going to play the clip so you can hear exactly what he said. Here's the clip. Do you see a future in where you become like a content producer of this kind full time and the trumpet is a secondary thing? Do you see that as a possibility or even a desire? Uh, It's not a desire for it because I still love playing trumpet and I still love teaching trumpet. That's certainly not. I don't think it's going to replace that. Now, will it maybe gain more traction into what I do. Yeah, I, I could see myself actually putting out content and doing stuff, doing different projects for myself um, that have me playing or have my students playing that, or to help my students, things like that. But I don't see it completely changing or altering my career course. <laughs> sure, I was no, just curious. No, no, I, I mean, it's obviously a passion for you. So I was just curious if that you saw that as a possibility.
All right. So as you can hear at that point in time, Patrick's, well, he wasn't necessarily thinking I'm going to go do this full time, but many of you who are listening now know that Oliverio <laughs> Studios is <laughs> a full time running thing. And he's got lots of uh, projects that he's been doing. He's told me there's some exciting projects that are coming down the pike. Uh, it's just everything has sort of grown so much and become really a, a thing that he's doing and doing it well. And so I wanted to engage him in this conversation to try to see if we could pick up where we left off and just track, like, how did Oliverio Studios grow from this point where you're like, I'm not sure exactly what this is going to be to this is a major thing that I spend a lot of my time doing now. So first, before we do that, thank you for joining me so we can kind of track this. I'm really looking forward to it. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. No problem, <laughs> dude. Um, so yeah, you uh, let's just pick it up. You were You were saying... Like two, like a year and a half ago when we last talked, you were saying, I'm not sure exactly where this is going to go. So why don't you pick up there and kind of just uh, tell us more of the story until now? Yeah. So, I mean, as everyone did, whenever the pandemic hit, and especially, you know, gigging musicians, we <laughs> were looking at trying to find ways to be creative and, and to still kind of hone our craft and all that. And the one thing that I kind of found was, you know, video editing and doing all these virtual ensemble videos and that kind of blew up um, a lot. I've, I've done over, I think at this point, 40 virtual ensemble videos, and that's in the span of a year and a half, which is insane to even say. Um, and I guess along the way, I started realizing that, man, this is actually, not only is it something I'm good at, but this is actually a lot of fun. And, and I'm actually enjoying this process of, you know, when people come to me and it's like, hey, I don't even know where to start, what we want to do this thing and and kind of assisting them through this process of, of getting them a really nice high quality video or recording. Um, <clears throat> and then along the way, it was kind of I realized that, man, I'm doing some trumpet playing and teaching, but at the same time, I'm doing a lot more uh, kind of technology consulting and video editing and video shooting and audio recording. So I was like, maybe I should maybe I should just make this a business. And I was more thinking about it as more of kind of a, I guess, a financial thing. Since I'm doing it so much, I might as well do have a business where I can do taxes and all that good stuff and not really thinking too much of it. And then when I announced that, I, I, I was very pleased at the reception that it got with the different projects that I was approached with and the different opportunities that have come from it. Um, and at every step along the way, did I, I never thought, oh man, I, I really like, I'm, I need to get back to the, this trumpet. I need to get back to this. Cause that's what I do. It actually started morphing into how do I make these both work simultaneously? Or how, how can I incorporate this into more of what I'm doing in my career instead of, you know, making one a priority. And I guess it came from, uh, my love for this. I mean, I've always been kind of a technological person in a way I've always been fascinated in having gadgets and stuff like that and audio video cameras and all that, but I never thought of it as a, a career. And I don't know why I never thought of it as a career, but I just never did. Um, and now that's changed obviously. So that's kind of where I'm at right now is it's, it's really kind of taken center stage with my career. Um, a lot of really cool things happening. Yeah, that's so cool. Uh, one thing you just said that I didn't know, and I kind of want you to expand upon, is when you said that you announced Oliverio Studios that you got approached by um, people. So, 
was there like kind of a noticeable bump when you said this isn't officially a thing? Um, what do you mean by that? It was a noticeable bump. Like what do you feel was happening before you said it was official versus after kind of, can you expand, expand upon that? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I was basically operating off of, you know, word of mouth, um, more or less before I even formed the, the Oliveria studios. Um, and I, I had quite a few people that were approaching me to make videos, but it was really whenever I announced that I was doing this to where I was approached by a, a fair number. When I, I say a fair number, I mean over 20 different organizations to make videos, which was awesome. Um, but I was not expecting that in the least because, I mean, you have to kind of think, you know, I, I announced this um my company in January of this year, which we, most of us were still kind of in lockdown that awkward, especially when you're thinking of universities, it was still that little awkward phase where are we in person? Are we, are we virtual? Are we hybrid? What are we doing? Um, and so that kind of uh, unsurety of it all kind of made people go, Oh, well we need a resource for this. We need someone to kind of turn to. And it just so happened I had announced my business and that was what I was kind of known for at the time was virtual ensemble video editing and shooting and all that. So yeah, no, it was, it was kind of shocking at the number. And that of course, like that number has come down and I'm more kind of settling into uh, a, uh, what would, what would the word be kind of just a steady stream, which is nice of work and projects. But yeah, no, I was, I was kind of shocked uh, whenever I announced how, what, what the reception was. It was kind of, it was really, really awesome. One of the things that I've come across when I listen to marketing podcasts or marketing books, or like you, you know, a, an Instagram ad from a marketing guru will pop up and it'll talk about, you know, one of the things that to be able, you know, to have an idea that possibly has the chance to to really land, is to find a problem that people have, like sort of forward think your way into a problem that people have. But it does not seem. It seems right now that you are fulfilling a need that people have. But you, it doesn't seem to me that you are forward thinking like I'm going to solve this problem that people don't know that they have yet. <laughs> no, no, so not it's, at all. There's a level of. I'm curious for your thoughts. It seems like there's just a level of like right place, right time, right interest. What What are your thoughts on that? Oh, for sure. It was. I mean, let's be real. There, there is a very large amount of luck when it comes to this. Where, you know, uh, it was lucky that. Because this whole thing started with a Fountain City brass machine video, the entire thing. Well, I, I mean, if you were to think even further back, it just started with me recording myself doing multi-track videos on acapella. And nowhere during that time was I thinking, oh, I'm going to make a business out of this and actually make a living doing this. <laughs> um, so really, I, I it was a lot of luck and right place, right time. Is I mean, it was... Thinking about it, it yeah, it was incredibly lucky. But once I started realizing, oh man, this is actually something that people like it, it's it's this is happening. I have a business and, and I need to kind of look at this. I started, you know, looking into, you know, what what does the music community need? What do musicians need? And it's always technology, technology support, whether that be recording videos for their websites or audio for CDs or live streaming their recitals, what have you, promotional videos the list goes on, um, that's where they kind of need support. So I've kind of, you know, after this whole virtual ensemble video phase went away earlier this year, I kind of transitioned into that stage of Oliverio Studios. And that's kind of where I find myself today. 
One thing I like about your story, and there you may not have any real expanding thoughts on this, but one thing I really like is you just started with where you were. You know, you, you did what you could with what you had. You know, I remember actually quite well that period where you were posting the ensemble, the multi-tracked ensemble videos. I mean, some people were doing it, but I remember you were just like, I like trumpet ensemble videos and I want to keep myself occupied. And uh, I think you were even at a band camp at that point. This is even before the <laughs> pandemic. I think you're at a band camp like I'm bored. I'm going to figure out like what to do. And then also through Fountain City, this connection you have saying, well, I could do this. Um, can you speak a little bit more? Because I think this is actually how this stuff starts. Like people can be like, well, I want to do this, but how would I get started? Or I want to do this and I don't know how to break in or whatever. But really, it's just asking yourself, maybe it's not to the scope that you think you would want to do someday, but are where? how can you get started right where you're at? And I'm curious if you have any advice for people in this way. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, step number one is just to start. I mean, if it's something that you are interested in, and that I think that is kind of the qualifier here is if you have any sort of interest in it, start. Like there's there's no shame in starting literally at where I did with a four or five year old laptop with like zero editing background, zero anything, and just kind of learning as you go. I mean, having the resource of the internet and YouTube be able to look up all the different, I mean, there's hundreds of different video editing, as you know, video editing, like tutorials and going through Final Cut Pro or Adobe Premiere or DaVinci Resolve, all of them, there's so many resources for that. So really the only thing that you need is some sort of interest or passion for it and time. If you have those two things, and it doesn't need to be a lot of time, let me add that. I mean, I had a newborn child when I started all this. So you don't really need a lot of time. You just need to have the passion and the time. So really step one is start if you have the passion for it. Be okay that it's not gonna be literally the greatest thing on the planet. I remember whenever I released, um, I think it was just the first Fountain City video, the Brass Machine video, um, there's an individual named Louis Dowdswell, who is a very amazing lead trumpet player. He released one where it was, um, oh, it's frozen into the unknown. And I remember seeing that video and going, oh my God, because <laughs> there were so many aspects of it that I had no idea where to even begin of how to do that in editing software. Um, and, you know, fast forward a month or two after that, and I made basically kind of my version of that with Go the Distance from Hercules for Fountain City. Um, and I basically just learned all the techniques. And all I did was research, look up those videos, ask some people uh, online that I know were doing video editing or that have experience in it. It's really, it really just comes down to starting, actually initiating it, having passion to do it, some passion or interest and having a little bit of time. Yeah. I want to come back to the passion discussion in a second here. But just to summarize, to make sure, because um, what you just said is like, I, I really resonate with this and how I've learned how to do all this stuff too. And it's like, really the hardest part is you have to, like you were saying, you have to like make something mm -hmm. so that you can see what's there. And then you can be like, okay, like, What's the difference between me and Lewis, you know, Dowdswell or whatever? And then you just start saying, okay, he did this thing and I didn't do this, or he did this thing and I didn't do it, or it sounds like this. And then you start that slow process of getting enough information. And one thing I love about video editing and 
a lot of other disciplines in life is there is information out there for people like you and me who are interested mm-hmm. in doing it. It's one of the things I'm really trying to do, and I know you're doing it too, is to, to, to flip that and to try to do it for music, just to provide information for people who are interested. Is it full, complete education? No. But like this little tip can sometimes make a, a difference in the overall presentation of something. So yeah, it's just like starting and then assessing, not trying to assess while you're creating, especially the first thing. That's that can be really crippling, like yeah. really, really crippling. And I mean, I felt prey to that in the beginning to where I was like looking at these videos and going, why, why, why am I doing this? What am I doing? Instead of just going through the process and just getting what you can create out and into yeah. the world and learning from it. Yeah, that's the important part is then you can say, well, maybe you and you don't necessarily have to release the very first thing you ever make. I mean, when I was getting ready for the podcast years ago, I had no idea what I was doing, obviously. So I remember I wrote a script for, or no, I didn't write a script. This is kind of a fun story. It's a little side story. I was going to record the Lessons from Indie podcast because I had told this story over and over and over and over again about not getting tenure. It's an important story for me to share. And so I sat down and turned the microphone on and I couldn't even say hello, everybody, and welcome (laughs) to That's Not Spit. It's kind of, I couldn't even say that. I was like, whoa, this is going to be way harder than I thought. So then I wrote a script for what ended up being the powerlifting and music episode. It was about eight minutes long. I recorded it and I sent it to like 10 people. And I was like, I would love your honest feedback on this. Like people that I care, you know, I wanted their feedback. And that, that it was very, it was a long road, like, you know, of like trying to get it. So all of the things were in the right place and it felt natural. I remember, I remember you even gave me feedback when the actual powerlifting and music episode came out. You were like, the content's great. Just continue working on delivering it in a mm-hmm. way where it feels more and more natural. So that's the idea is you you can try to, I guess the whole point I'm saying here is I think there is some merit to like practicing without sharing. But at a certain point, you're going to feel like, all right, I think I know enough to share it. And then you're going to realize you have no idea what you're doing. And that's the real, to me, that's the real learning process is when you finally put it out there. And that's totally fine to do that as well. Like that's, that's how I think everyone that is good at what they do gets great at what they do is, you know, yeah, like you were saying, practice. There are plenty of projects on my computer that I will never share, which that's fine. It's that I was in the process of learning a technique of either video video editing wise or video shooting wise. And I'm just like, I'm not comfortable sharing that, but I did learn a lot from it. Um, yeah. And it's totally fine to do that. I think the key thing about that is, is I, I would not do, I would first just start and the, like, as I'm going to try and really emphasize that don't go so far down the rabbit hole of researching something because I experienced something called, um, choice fatigue or choice paralysis where you look at all these different techniques or what you're doing or learn so much about it that you have no idea where to start. So you're just like, I don't, uh, and it, and it actually becomes more of a thing whenever you get really good at it because the options. And I tell this with any of the clients that I have that I do video editing for is literally sky's the limit. Like there is no limitation. Your imagination is the only limiting factor when it comes to video editing. Um, and that is the truth. It's also something that can be really crippling whenever you get into something. So just start, start somewhere, start at ground, ground one. It's fine. Like ground floor. It'll be okay. Yeah. I'm going to look, I want to, I should have done this while you were talking. I'm going to try to look up really quick when we did our previous episode, because I think 
I think it'll be important as well to sort of demonstrate uh, or to, to discuss the length of time it can take as well. You know, it's not always, it's definitely never a straight line. Where is your episode? May 27th, 2020. Woo! Beginning of the pandemic, baby. Yeah. So like over, that's a year and a half ish ago. Right. And so it, you know, it took a year and a half of constant diligent effort to go from, I don't really know if this is a thing to where you are now with all the various studios getting work and paying bills, doing this thing, which is an mm -hmm. amazing thing. And I think the reason I want, the one thing I want to frame here before we move on to this passion discussion is like, it might take that long or longer, you know, like when you, when you're just starting out at something, you know, you have to be able to say to yourself, it might be a year and a half before I have something that is great. And like, that's okay. But when we don't at least acknowledge that at the beginning of the process, I, I imagine it, it just adds frustration in the beginning. And when you're trying to do it, cause it just seems like it's taken so long. You're like, when am I going to get there? So do you mm -hmm. have any thoughts on just like expect, like accepting how long it'll take to get good at something? Well, I mean, for me, I mean, I literally started, I had zero experience in video editing in any sort of software. So I, I think patient being really patient with yourself um don't think of it as you know you're not good at it or like you, this isn't working or anything like that view it as an opportunity to get better and seek help like it, it's not something that you like unless you have some sort of revolutionary thing that you're trying to do there's more more than likely a resource online that you can find Specifically, if it's something like technology, video, audio, there are tons of them. So just be patient and seek help. It's okay to ask for help. That doesn't make you, you know, not a, a professional or not someone who's like really driven or whatever. Everyone needs help at some point. I still reach out to people that I trust in both the audio video world for help. So just kind of ask like, hey, what's your opinion on this? Or how would you do this? totally fine to do that yeah you've sent me a few things from time to time yeah even. yeah i i don't know anything you know <laughs> <laughs> i wouldn't say that um but uh yeah one thing that's interesting i read in this book so good they can't ignore you is magnus carlson the really famous chess prodigy you know i read in this book that he paid this other chess prodigy that was you know older than him more than 700 grand a year to coach him <laughs> like we I mean, think this guy's like a prodigy i mean he's must be banking a ridiculous amount in chess to be able to do that and it probably wasn't at the very beginning but even at this level where they're prodigies and they're just like the best in the world the idea that i'm going to spend that kind of money to continue honing my craft like that says something to me mm -hmm. about the need to for continual development and as musicians we're not really in that conversation right now but as musicians one of the problems we experience is that that stops four to six years after, you know, in, in our education, all of a sudden we graduated like 21 and then we go off and we're like, well, we, you know, if we want to go take a lesson with somebody, we can do that. But we don't have this formalized like path, you know? And so we see it as where well, you're supposed to be complete, but all these other disciplines don't do that. They spend I feel money like, to get better. I feel like the, the absolute professionals in our field do do that. Like if you talk to anyone that holds a, you know, a great position, either in an institute like a, a college or an orchestra, 
they constantly see, seek help from other people. They constantly go and they're learning. They're still honing their craft. And that I think what is what makes them great. Um, it's the yeah. people that kind of just stop, stop learning that, that struggle. Yeah. So that kind of honing the craft thing is a nice segue into this passion discussion in this book that I'm reading. Like I said, it's called so good. They can't ignore you by Cal Newport. He presents this idea that following your passion is not necessarily the best idea. And that following your passion is saying, well, like I have this passion and I need to go find a place that where that exists, but you don't necessarily always have the skills necessary to be able to flourish in an environment like that. So he argues that, uh, developing uh, the ability to hone your craft and understand. And he talks about deliberate practice, like how to actually get better, how to understand what it looks like to have a problem, figure out a solution for it and implement a solution for it. And to actually see progress is more important for most people than whether you're super passionate about something for the end goal of having a career that you love doing. And so I'm curious what, if you can sort of reflect upon your time in video editing and audio editing, how much passion do you feel like you had for it when you sort of first started dabbling in it versus what kind of passion do you have for it now? I think whenever I started, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I, I don't think I was like majorly passionate about it. It was something, honestly, at the very, very beginning, it was more of a frustration just because, I mean trying to do the things that I did on, you know, with, with the computer that I had and the technology that I had was difficult, incredibly difficult. So it was at first, actually, I wasn't crazily passionate about it, but as I started getting better and, and honing that craft of video editing and, and started seeing some of the reactions to the videos and seeing the end and the end result and seeing, you know, um, all of that, the, like, the, the goals being met, that's when I started actually going, man, this is actually a lot of fun. And I, and I started looking forward to projects. Like there was a time in the beginning, whenever I would have like a, maybe one or two little projects on, on my docket and I'd look and I'd go, Oh my God, this is going to be so hard. Um, instead of now, if I get a project, I am stoked about it because then I, I have like a, like I, I can turn on my creative side and actually think, what am I going to do? Well, what's this going to look like? What kind of feel is this going to have? What kind of theme, what are we going for? What, what, do you, what is their end goal for the video and all of that? Because I'm not thinking so much And this. I mean, you can translate this to, to being a musician. It, it's not so much about the technicality of how I'm going to make it work. It's more about the end result and what I want the audience to feel or what I want the audience to get, take away from the video. Uh, same with music. I mean, once the technical aspect of playing is out, out of the window, you can just focus on the music. I can just, now I can just focus on the video, which is awesome. So I'm very passionate about it now. Yeah. You bring up an interesting point, um, a about this, this concept that the, you had to sort of, I don't want to say earn, right? But we could call it that sort of a rite yeah, of passage to, to get to the point where you could just focus on the video that you needed to learn at minimum. I'm sure there's tons of techniques that you'll still learn, right? But you need to learn at minimum a layer of like baseline techniques that make it so when you say, I want this end product, you already know what that's going to require to do it. And I would argue the same thing in music that before we can really start to focus on the musical product that we're putting out, having a base level understanding of some of the technique makes it so when we say, I want to make this sound, we know how to do that. So I think there's a nice parallel there. The question I have for you is, 
like what kind of mindset did you have when you felt like things were frustrating that got you from it's frustrating to I've learned it rather than it's frustrating and I this is not for me I'm going to give up. So like I said I started with with the the interest in it and the passion. It wasn't a lot but it was there. And for me curiosity kind of reigns my my world. So whenever something was difficult or I didn't know how it worked or how you could do that, I couldn't rest until I figured out how it worked and how to do it. So really, I let my curiosity guide me in that. And as I started learning the new things and picking up and getting better and faster at it, that's whenever I really started like the passion was being fueled by that. So I guess like if you can summarize it in just a phrase, my passion was fueled by my curiosity. And I've always been curious about technology and always had an interest in it. And then that interest in, in fueled a passion that now is, I'm still interested in it and I'm still learning constantly, but it's like the passion is what drives the business. Yeah, man, that's so cool. Um, one of the, so you started with these virtual ensemble videos and you've sort of shifted, transitioned into live streaming and, and, uh, that, I mean, that's a big thing. I know that you are in conversations with about people and, um, I know that you obviously do the other types of things now, but it's obviously where demand is, is probably where, where you're focusing your time. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that is important to me and I, I can relate it to music in just a second, but I want to ask the question first, which is. How do you, how do you, how do you, in your mind, how do you do a workaround in your brain where you're not so focused on the application of the skills that you're getting, but rather just building the skills and then you, you'll wait and sort of see where the demand is to how you will apply them. Because you could have started out and said, I want to do virtual ensemble videos. That's the thing I do. And that's it. And so when virtual ensemble videos waned, then you're just, your work dried up, but you had this ability to transition based on demand. So you obviously weren't too attached to where you applied the skills. I'm curious how that, what, what that was for you. So really, whenever I started noticing that the virtual ensemble videos were waning, I started really casting a much wider net. So, I mean, with video editing, you learn a lot about, you know, how the videos are shot and, and all the different aspects of actually shooting video. Um, and through that, also, I had a background in audio recording and audio engineering. So I, I started really digging in with that. Um, and then from there I started looking into live streaming cause that's always been a thing I'm interested in and just all the different requirements and different ways you can do it. Um, and how, like how you can present things in a different light and all that good stuff. So really I, once I started noticing that the virtual ensemble videos were kind of going down and I knew that was going to happen. I mean, life was going to kind of go back to un, quote unquote normal eventually, so really at that point I thought, well, let's let's just cast the widest net that I humanly can and let's see what I start pulling in. Uh, and the things that were uh, that were getting interest were things like live streaming, um, things like CD recording, obviously, that's never gonna go away. Uh, also just recital recording. Uh, and then also another thing that's kind of come up that's uh, is, um, I didn't really think about it first, but it's music video production to where, you know, like highly produced audio, highly produced video put in a way to where it's really uh, view uh, audience friendly. It's really engaging content. So that's really I mean, I just I, I my um, I didn't narrow my view. I expanded it. 
And then once I saw what people were wanting or needing, that's when I started kind of honing in the different things that I was going to focus on. Okay, so I have a bit of a sticky question. Where oh do you think, where do you think, or how do you feel like your recording of your reci own recitals and you recording Jen's CD fits into this, right? Because you're obviously like you're open to doing these and you see that there's a need for doing it, but you're also still what I think is so cool, taking advantage of where you're at, doing what you can with where you're at. And so I I'm curious how you feel like this fits in where you're, you're do you view it as like, I am still like practicing for these, for these things. Like, you know what I'm oh, saying? Like, how for does that? Sure. Yeah, for sure. Like, and like, I, and I don't want to say that I was practicing on my wife's, you know, now released CD, which is incredible. Um, but I mean, it was a learning experience and I approached it that way. And really everything that I do, no matter if it's a paid, um, paid project or not, it's, it's something that I approach still with kind of a learner's mentality of like, still like kind of troubleshooting if something does come up and going, okay, well, how can I fix that? How can I make it be even better for next time? And that doesn't mean that the quality of it goes down. It just means that my takeaways from each project are more and I can approach each project with a lot more clarity, not on my, not only on my end, but on the customer's end. So I can explain things to customers in a lot more of a kind of layman's terms way that they understand and they're comfortable with. Cause that's my biggest thing is I don't want to approach like my clients and uh, with, with like a, a air of, I don't, I don't know how to phrase this, but of like an air of like, I'm, I know more, so you should just trust me. Like that's, that's, I never want to like come off as that. I want to explain why I'm doing it this way, why it's important that we do it this way and, and how they can learn from that experience. So yeah, even with my recitals or with Gen CD or, you know, other recitals that I do, I still approach it at, from a one curiosity and learners students mentality. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. I, I remember uh, Robbie Garrison. He's a trumpet player that both of us know. Mm -hmm. Robbie came over and hung out for a little bit and we were going to record some just some some playing, you know, and I like got out my lights and set up both of my cameras and like <laughs> did the whole thing, you know, because I, I I'm in this space where it's like I'm going to take advantage of every opportunity I can to practice because one of the things that I'm interested in is like doing these like videos where we're going to like our orchestra members houses and shooting these videos. And I understand that that could someday lead to, you know, paid opportunities for other things. And what I don't want to do is get into somebody's house and then be like, I need like five hours to test every variable. You know, I want to be able to understand <laughs> yeah. what to do when I get there. And the only way that happens is, is certainly through practice. You know, I remember the first one of those videos I did, no one has seen it, but it was with Kathleen and it took me six hours to set up the lights and get everything right because I didn't have a monitor. <laughs> I couldn't get the exposure <laughs> right. Like that monitor saved me like hours of time. Right. But that to me was like totally worth it. Mm -hmm. Like every single second of the six hours was total. And I'm not joking. It was like six hours. I, I know from experience, right? like I get it. And so it's really, and I, I'm kind of, kind of share my experience and then see like how you would, how you would fr frame it. But it's really changed how I see just digesting anything. Like I don't view anything as waste anymore. I, I don't really ever try to justify like, why am I doing this? Because it's like, I've sort of, 
tangentially learned so many things that I didn't think would help me that have For that sure. I'm like, whatever, I'm just going to try to take it all in and put it, you know, in that like back corner of my brain. And maybe someday in like three years, I'll use that, you know, like I'm curious, like I know, I imagine you have a similar mindset. What is that? How would you phrase that for yourself? Of, I mean, it, it goes back to just like the learner's mentality of like, you're not going to get better at something if you do it infrequently. So like I like like yourself, I take every opportunity I can to go out to like my school and record my students or to Michigan State and record something or take take photos or go to Jen's Jen's University, Oakland University and record like concerts and like just going through the process of doing it you get better at it and you get faster at it and more efficient. And I think that's the biggest thing is is efficiency. Like just like same thing with music, like the more efficient you are, the better you are going to be at doing it. Um and the honestly that's where it comes down to I think some of the most efficient video editors or or shoot or the people the people that are doing this for a living that that shoot video edit and all that what it comes down to is they're efficient they're crazy efficient they know exactly what it's going to take because they've done it so much that they can literally do a video shoot and video editing in their sleep and and it just comes from practice just doing it a lot and you like same thing with me i mean i recorded a concert two weeks ago and it took me the better part of four and a half hours to set everything out everything up and then from that experience i'd come back the next week and it took me an hour right because i just knew what like i was familiar with the venue i was familiar with where my equipment was going to go it was it was just easier much much easier because yeah, i man. learned from it so here's an interesting i would love your take on this um it's probably very clear to you and to other people that I have learned a lot from working out in the gym and have applied it to practicing the trumpet. There's actually a lot of things I've learned from this particular discipline we're talking about that I've applied to the trumpet as well that's really uh, shaped the way, especially that I teach. And I'm just curious, if I'm sure you've reflected upon this at some point, but what kinds of things have you learned from this discipline that has made you a better practicer, a better musician, sort of a more efficient just way of going about doing things in your musical life? I mean, I mean, it all it, it's it's all coming back to kind of it, I feel like a broken record with all this stuff. But I mean, it comes down to do you have a passion for it? Can you fuel that passion with interest always? And are you willing to put in the time? That's really it. And being efficient with your time and approaching every either interaction or project or gig or whatever as a learning experience and not as a, you know, good or bad. I feel like when I was young, a young musician, I, I always looked at gigs as they went good or they went bad. And that's it. It was never like a, what did I get out of this? What did I learn whenever I walked out of the hall? Um, and now I, th with, through this process and I mean, through my various musical experiences I've had, I've learned that everything needs to be a learning experience, everything, everything you need to be a student in every aspect of your life. Um, especially the things that you're passionate in, because if you are a student, if you approach it like a student, you'll get better, you'll be happier and you'll be more passionate in your 
product, whether that be, you know, your musical product or your technological audio video career entrepreneurial project product will be. Yeah. Yeah, man, I, I, I know sometimes I can talk a little bit too much about the things I think on my own podcast when I'm interviewing other people, but the thing that we talked about that it takes, it took you like four hours. And then the next time you did it, it took one hour. Like that has dramatically affected the way I, I think about practicing and the way I think about teaching where now the, like when I first start doing something, the most important thing to me is do I understand what I'm trying to do? Like, and if that takes me in this example, four hours, that means the next time I do it, it won't, it'll take me a quarter of the time to get back into that groove. For sure. And it like has dramatically sped up how quickly I can learn like a two. I mean, the goal, the app I use certainly is a huge part of that, but it's even just a mindset. It's like when I first approach it, I'm not concerned at all. When I first learn something, can I play this? Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm so concerned with, do I understand if, if we're going to use this example, do I understand where I want to put this light? And do I understand where I want to put this mic and how far apart and what game, you know, because once you figure it out, it's that more or less that same equation every time. And like when I teach work with my daughter playing piano, like we go through it and it's like the same thing. I don't care how slow we have to go. My first, it, my first instinct for her is to say, do you understand from start to finish what this piece is? Because if you don't, you're just going to be practicing it wrong most of the time. It, that, that thing has like dramatically affected me as well as a player. It, it makes anything that is unattainable attainable no matter what that goal or thing is, period. It's just the mindset of being able to look at it and to know that it is attainable with time and with effort and with the right mentality. Yeah, that's a that's great way to say it, man. Um, I, I mean, I don't have a lot more to dig. We we dug pretty far. So um, I'm going to, before I ask you sort of my final question, I'm just curious if you have any other any other thoughts, any other things you want to plug, all various studios, how do you, like anything you want to say? Uh, no, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty good. I mean, the, I guess, I guess I could plug, when is this going out? Wednesday, you said? Yeah, in two days. Heck yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess we can plug the, like, I'm live streaming the US Open here next, not this Sunday, but the following Sunday. And it's going to be a free stream available to anyone who wants to tune in. So that'll be a lot of fun to kind of see what I do in action. Mm-hmm. So cool. that's, we can plug that. Um, do you, and like, yeah. Oh, if you give me the link, I'll put it in the description. Is there a, yeah, yeah. is there a website that they, people can go to? Like, how would people get a hold of you? And so if they follow, if they follow, uh, uh, the U S open Brassman championships on Facebook, then all that info will be up on there in the coming week. Okay. And then if somebody was like, I want Alvario studios to do a project for me, how would they do that? Alvario studios.com. All right. And I know you're on social media as well yep, on both everywhere. you, you and all of area studios. So, Sir. so check that out. The last thing I want to ask you is the same thing that we started this episode with is I asked you like, do you see this as being like something you could do? And so I'm, I want to do this and I want to come back in like a year and a half and see where we're at. <laughs> so where do you like, where do you see things going? Like, I mean, at this point, what, what is the scope of where you think things could head? Like what's your, if you, I know you've talked about having someone's like a, you know, a three year, a five year, those kinds of plans, like share some of that with us. So I, I really want to make this a main focus of my career. I really enjoy what I do. Um, expand to um, 
other maybe even larger projects offer maybe some more um products to my clients uh i'm also we're hopefully going to be partnering up with a couple um nonprofit organizations here in the Detroit area offering some free services for local high schools here soon, like high school students and high school programs as well. Um, but yeah, no, it's, this is actually, this is taking kind of center stage in my career right now, which is awesome. I, I, I'm, but again, I'm kind of open to whatever opportunities present itself through my business or through my playing. And that's kind of the cool thing is this business is not only fueling, you know, and, and providing for my family, but it's also allowing me to still pursue the thing that I still love doing, which is playing and teaching trumpet, which is really awesome. <laughs> I never thought it would be that way to where my business is fueling that. I always thought that my trumpet playing would fuel my business, mm -hmm. but it's actually become the other way around, which is awesome. That's so cool. <laughs> so yeah, we'll come back in May of 2023 sweet i like it we'll let's have a year and a half checkups <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i didn't necessarily plan it that way um but it it's cool to hear and like i said if anyone's listening to this episode and hasn't listened to the other one it might be a cool uh experience i guess to to go and listen to the other one and just to listen to one thing that's fascinating about having a podcast and sort of trying to be as real and honest about where you're at as I, as, as you can be like I've done is when you go listen to old episodes, you're like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> who is that? I'm sure. Oh my God. Who is talking right now? That's not you, me. You get to see the evolution of not only yourself, but the people that you have on. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously in this case, you could go back and listen to that old one, but it's very fascinating because it, it was like like I've tracked like this period of like the most like the, basically this change or this this transformation into a completely different person that I am now versus who I was when I started the podcast. Like I, I feel as like I'm a completely different person and like I have it like on record every week for the past like two and a half years, which is pretty almost th almost three years now. January 1st will be three years. Oh, man. Congrats. Thanks, dude. Um, all right. Uh, I think that's going to be it if you're good with that. Yeah, man. Cool, dude. Uh, if anybody needs to get in touch with me, you can do that on thatsnotspit.com or that's not spit on Facebook and Instagram. If you enjoyed this episode or had any feelings at all, consider giving the podcast a rating and review on iTunes. And do not forget to share it on social media. Uh, Big P, thanks so much for uh, joining me on my podcast. I learned a lot. I hope my audience enjoyed uh, hearing your perspectives and I hope that it's. Uh, help them as well i just really appreciate your time man dude thanks man i always appreciate coming on yeah i want to thank brandon yokum for his work on mastering this episode of the podcast and then most of all i'd like to thank you for listening stay strong be kind to yourself never stop growing and we'll see you next time